listening to the Xbox World Podcast in association with Doritos Crisps and Umbongo, Stan Sterlifts. It's the 9th of November, when you're listening to this anyway, it's a little earlier in the week for us, and I'm introducing because Andy is on holiday. So, it's, uh, it's me, hello, I'm Mike, and I'm here with special guest, Tim Weaver. Hello everyone. And special guest, Andy Kelly. Hello. So, today we'll be talking about usual nonsense, a little bit of uh, what you've been playing, and it's been good because there's a lot to play at the moment, which you know makes a big change. We're going to do a little bit of uh, Curiosity the Cube, which has kind of overtaken the office today. We've all been playing, I sort of you say playing in the loosest possible sense, there's not really much game there. Not much of a story, is there? Not many guns in it. No, no, it's, it's, it's light on the old guns. Yeah, could do with a bit more like robots, computers. We'll talk about that as well. We've actually have someone away as we speak playing the biggest game of the year. Unfortunately, we can't talk about Black Ops at all, really. But although some footage popped up online, am I right? Yeah, yeah. There was a leak yesterday from some naughty Russians who uh, downloaded the torrent and uploaded the first fifteen minutes. Yeah, sleeps already. It's been YouTube have taken the uh, videos down now, but uh, they were up there for a while yesterday. What did you make of the new footage? The first. And only footage, I guess. Yeah, I mean, only only watched about um, ten minutes of it, um, but I didn't really get to see a lot of the actual game. I just saw the, a, a very long intro movie, which I mean, I don't want to prejudge it, but I thought the script was absolutely terrible. The dialogue, the yeah. dialogue was awful. <clears throat> um, I'm sure one of the actors in it's Michael Wincott, right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah, right, because it's he, he's. I mean, the actual delivery of the lines was fine. You know, they made the yeah. best of what they were given. But the surprising thing is it's um, it's written or co-written by um, David um, Dark Knight. What's yeah. His name? Uh, oh. David, David Batman. David Batman. <laughs> David Batman. Yeah. I thought he's Jewish. D- Dave Batman. Dave yeah. Batman. And, uh, well, it's, you know, the COD games always get amazing cast. I mean, they had Kiefer Sutherland and Gary Oldman in a game. Yeah. That's like... That's some good casting. And then they, they got, give them a script where they're just running around shouting, "Holy shit!" And they got uh, old Billy, Billy what, David uh, Goyer. Yeah. And they all got they've got uh, Billy. What's his face in, in from the Bill? Yeah, great cast. And Billy Blanks. No, no, yeah. he's not in it. No, Billy. Not Murray. in this one, but no. Billy yeah. Murray was in Modern yeah. Warfare. To be honest, it's usually the Treyarch games that have a ridiculous cast. And yes, yeah. the Modern Warfare games have yeah. like just reliable. Well, it's because when they made Modern Warfare, the first one, the, the series wasn't that popular, so they just got a bunch of like jobbing TV actors like Billy Murray. Mm. To do, it. and then they realised it became a worldwide phenomenon. So you've still got this like British telly actor in the the biggest, most lucrative entertainment franchise in the world. Yeah, which but it's is in- quite amusing. It's interesting that they've gone that way, and like GTA's gone the other way because they, they did. GTA had like all these. Gr- I mean, Vice City had an unbelievable yeah. cast. Dennis Hopper, yeah, yeah. Ray, Ray Liotta. Liotta. Yeah. I mean, unbelievable. Debbie Harry, yeah, Burt Reynolds, yeah, and yeah. amazing cast. And now that's gone back yeah. to being. They were really burned with San yeah. Andreas, so apparently San Andreas was a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, that but, had like Samuel Jackson and Chris Penn and all kinds of crazy ass proper actors. But I mean, maybe Treyarch of it, Treyarch's experience with Hollywood actors has been a lot better. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, I mean, I thought their you know like their delivery of the lines was fine. It's just the lines weren't very good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, how how much uh, nuance can you really give to a game that's just uh, I, I, I sort it's of, a shouty war game? I sort of do agree. Only, you know, you can still, it doesn't have to be like, 
you get you you're fucking rat about the CIA, man. Get out of it, you dipshit. <laughs> All this sort of stuff, you know, like so cliche, yeah. so cliched. I mean, surely they can. Well, you can Add a do, bit of nuance. You, you know? can do, yeah, you know, you look at Saving Private Ryan, it's got the badass beach landing scene, but then it's also got this sort of slower character scenes in the church or whatever. So you, guess, you can do war and you can do nuance, but Call of Duty ain't the place for no, that. No, I guess really. Not. Yeah. I guess Call of Duty is big on Michael Bay movies. Yeah, it? yeah I guess he- so. helicopter drones and robo tanks and maybe guys sh- shouting holy shit. And yeah, maybe I shouldn't expect it to be yeah. like. But yeah, well, that footage is illegal, so... Yeah. Yeah, if you've seen it, then you've broken the law with your eyes. Or YouTube. It's on YouTube. <laughs> yeah. Hey. Because they have... Yeah, and, Public domain now. And yeah. if it's been deleted on YouTube, it will almost certainly have been mirrored on LiveLeak, so... Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is the lawless Wild West of video hosting, so... <laughs> uh, I would never do it, because I'm a law-abiding citizen, but if you wanted to see that footage, don't go to YouTube, go to LiveLeak. Okay. There you go. And I'm not a cop. <laughs> so I don't know like Black Ops is out in what two weeks now one yeah, week two weeks couple of weeks in two weeks no but... 12th is it the 12th yeah so next week yeah so it's next week yeah the big game that's out this week is Halo 4 which neither of you guys have played I have and um, I t- found out this morning that my review was wrong I actually gave it one of the lowest scores you'll find <clears throat> yeah. online well it got as high as the highest score I've seen 98% 98% that game no 98% yeah. man even looking at it I can tell even, even my 8 like, I was like I dwelled, I dwelled on that for a long time because I, I was looking at a 7 on it for a while but the fact is the multiplayer was just off the chain and uh, God, I couldn't I couldn't break with uh, I couldn't push beyond that the fact is the campaign I think really is a 7 out of 10 campaign but anyway as it turns out I was wrong and in fact the actual games are 0 according to uh <laughs> Zero. A zero. As in it's utterly without worth. As in it's, it, as in it literally could not be less valuable. It could, it, there's, imagine the least valuable thing in the world. That's Halo's. So is that from Edge or Polygon? Or in, interestingly, Eurogamer? no. This is from, this is from a, a critic, a, re, a reader review on a Metacritic. Oh, the, yeah. yeah I, I always go there first before the That's where I go reviews. for my journalism. Yeah. So... This guy, um, I, to be honest, I spent, I mean, I spent, what, two and a half thousand words kind of laying out a pretty decent argument, which compared it, I think, to Halo, to Halo 2 instead of, you know, for the reasons, the similarities it shows with Halo 2 are what makes it, like, not such a great campaign. But really, what I probably should have just said is Halo 4 is fucking bullshit, <laughs> spelt B-A-L-L. It, dis- it disappointed <laughs> as hell. It is not as good as Halo 1, 2, 3. I'd be playing Halo for 10 years, and Halo 4 is the most disappointed game I've ever played. God damn you, 343, for killing my childhood game. And that's... And that, and that, what, how, how old was he when he played the other ones then? Was he a fetus? <laughs> so that's zero out of 100. What's interesting is that the word disappointed is the only word that's in lowercase here. So I think he <laughs> actually copied and pasted it from somewhere else so he could get the spelling right. Or he was but, just so sad he just went... Oh, he... But he got the spelling wrong. Yeah. It's spelled D-I-S-A-P-O-I-N-T. What other scores have we got? We've got zero... Else, there's some under some others. Uh, I haven't printed off the whole thing, I only printed off that winning review, but it's yeah. actually averaging a 2.2 on Metacritic 2.2 right on average. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. Sounds reasonable. See, this is why we um we actually pay people to, to do this for a living, right? Because otherwise, you'd get Half Life 2. This game was okay at best, however, I may have just got it, and yet it is already beaten. This game may have had all right graphics, but when it first came out, but now it deserves to be knocked down a peg because it should not have a high score higher. And such games as Left 4 Dead 2 and Team Fortress 2 because it is unimaginable boring. (laughs) (laughs) 
and has a long storyline which may keep you distracted from the lacking interface department. I don't know. I, I, I trust those guys more than you. <laughs> well, I, I do too, to be honest. You know, the, the, I think we should point out that, you know, that uh, there are a lot of people out there who can string a sentence together who would probably do a good job of making a read review. review. But this is we got them I, on our Facebook group. Yeah, but I was saying in the office yesterday, this is the, the what I like to term the Amazon problem, yeah. which is since Amazon's come along, everyone's a critic. Mm. Like you go on there, and some of the review, so-called inverted commas reviews on there, are unbelievable. I mean, absolutely unbelievable. GeoGTA Five has got seven reviews on there <laughs> already. It's not, I mean, yeah. all we've had so far is a trailer. Yeah, it's just a broken, broken system. I bet one of them says game game of the year <clears throat> next year. How can you review a game that's not even out yet? How can you review a game that's had one trailer? Because you're mental and you've dreamed it up. That's your, the thing. Metacritic brain. and Amazon is the land of the crazies, and they rate on a binary scale: zero or one or ten. Yeah, it's either good ten or terrible zero. Yeah, the extremes. Yeah, yeah. There's no middle ground. People have been banging on a lot about games journalism lately. We're not going to get too much into that. It's um, there, there's plenty to discuss there, but I think it's been just really well discussed about you know about how the industry is, how you know how critics work and how the how close they are with PRs and so on. There's a lot of people being kind of making up like these arbitrary rules and so on. But I think if we're going to have a, a rule for anything, it's let's not rate everything on a ten and a zero scale. Yeah, I well, don't know. This is just Metacritic should. Well, I see. If I my with all comments and user reviews on the internet would just be turned off. So we've been talking. This is something we've been, we've been talking about lately. To be honest, though, lately the comments we've been getting on our, our articles on TBG have been pretty good. Yeah, got some good readers on there, and we always, we yeah. always get good comments from the Facebook group. There's that's, always good people, but that, yeah. that's the problem. Is that you know, like you, you go on there and in your comments thread, you'll have two or three guys who make a really, really <clears> great point, and you don't want to have to close a comments thread because you don't want to miss out on. Yeah, giving those guys an opportunity to articulate themselves. But unfortunately, you also get people who plainly don't even read the article. Yeah, and the amount of times I've had people complain about not mentioning something, uh, in one case it was literally in the header of the story. <laughs> they went, you didn't mention so so I was like, yeah, I did, it's in the copy and it's in the header. So you recently put up uh, an Assassin's Creed 3 ending analysis. <laughs> the headline was, Assassin's Creed 3 ending analysis, spoilers inside, right? Yeah. First comment... Spoilers? Yeah, you spoiled this game for me. Thanks. It's yeah. like, you clicked on it, man. You clicked, yeah. You but, you know, there's always going to be a vocal minority of people. But, you know, there's, there's uh, the terrible examples like that recent, uh, there's a games writer recently, a freelance games writer in the US who killed himself after struggling with depression for a while. And uh, his last review was on Joystick. And the comments were just the, low, the lowest of the low. Yeah. People saying, you're a coward, I hope you rot in hell. You know, it's it's kind of like it seems mad having like a lawless wild west uh, well, at we, the bottom the, of all the analogy articles. I've always said is like if I owned a shop, right, and someone came into my shop, and there's a shop selling I don't know what do you sell? Apples. Apples. It's an apple shop, and this guy comes into the shop and he says, "I hate your apples. I hate you. I think your shop is shit." You'd say, "Fine, get out of my shop then." <laughs> just fuck off out of my shop I don't want you here you don't yeah. belong in my shop and the thing is if you adopt the same policy and recently Polygon did this is a really interesting it was an interesting experiment the new games website Polygon they were like you know what if people are going to come into our shop and start just kicking up a stink and, and, and chucking our apples on the floor and telling us how shit our apples are we're going to tell them to leave so they did 
and then that, a mild riot ensued. And they, yeah. re- and they very quickly learned, like, that the the bad press that gets you isn't worth the trouble, you know? It's literally... Mm. But then I wonder if it is. I wonder if over a long enough timescale people always come to accept, oh, I get, I get it. I can't just be an asshole to people on the internet. There are human beings here at, you know, at stake. It's, you know, people... These are real people talking here. Whether it's other commenters, whether it's the reviewer itself. You can't just yeah. go around just giving people abuse. Well, some sites to try and combat it use Facebook for comments, but even with their face on full view and their profile... Um, there was a comment on a and other games website I won't specify that had Facebook comments in there, even though his face was there and it was his whole Facebook profile. You could you could find out where he lives and everything. And he was like, "I hope this reviewer dies. He's a faggot," and so on. So it was like even that one, you know, stopped the madman. But I, I kind of like websites that just turn them off, um, like Pitchfork, which is one of the most respected music review websites yeah. on the internet, and people hold their word as gospel, even though you know I disagree with them quite a lot. I, you know, it's like a they're seen as respected, though. That's the fun they don't thing. have any comments. The, the fun is disagreeing with Pitchfork, you know. It's like, yeah. how, that's, that's something we don't often get, really, with games criticism. You don't get, people don't get a chance to disagree because there is more consensus in game reviews. Like, you know, the Halo scores, they're not going to be running from 0 to 10 as they do on Metacritic's reader reviews because most of the people are kind of fairly objective critics and, or at the very least subjective, and they will sit down and play the game and mechanically structurally, feature-wise, the game's inarguably at least an eight. You know, it's, there's a, if, you're, if, you're, if you're reviewing it just as like a product, if you're treating it as if you're the way you would treat a vacuum cleaner, if you're the way you're reviewing, you know, uh, God, you know, uh, a car, it would inarguably be a eight out of ten car. That's the, tr- the problem we have with games journalism. If you're going to talk about something that's kind of mechanical, which it, which games are, they are mechanical, then you're kind of stuck with, okay, this this game works, and it works well, so now I can sort of maybe get into the artistry of it and start reviewing that, but I'm starting from a base position where the game is already an 8, mm. just because the multiplayer is so huge and so complete and so good and the community is so vibrant for it, and then the, the technical aspects of it are so well constructed and this game's been built so well and does everything it does incredibly well. But, okay, they may have made a few structural missteps along the way. The fact is those structural missteps aren't knocking too much off of the overall score, you know? Well, people don't want to... A lot of people don't want to hear about the... A lot of the complaints I get about only disagreeing about specific parts of a review I write is when I sit down and mechanically pick apart the gameplay and go, this doesn't work because... People sort of just go, oh, whatever, you know, I like that about it. You know, they don't want to, a lot of people don't want to hear you making a reasoned case for a certain element being bad. They'll just go, yeah, whatever. I liked it. Yeah. So. I think also there's a, you know, there's a level of expectation for certain games. And then, you know, I'm the same. Like, uh, when we talk about Hitman in the office, you know, Mike, you've been quite vocally opposed to the direction it's yeah, gone in. Yeah, I'm not so keen on and, you, Hitman. And, you know. We're all, you know, we we have both traditionally been big fans of the series. You know, I'm really excited about it, regardless of the fact that it's, you know, the the sandbox perhaps isn't what it once was, and you know, whoever ends up reviewing that in the, oh no, I think Andy Hartup's already reviewed it, but um, you know, that review, whether it was good review or a bad review, I'd probably still go and play it yeah. because you, I still, that, you know, but I do use a review, a well structured review, as a as a way to kind of you know, get a sense for the game. I might not necessarily 
want to agree with it, but you have to respect the fact that that reviewer has played it and you haven't, and so you have to kind of take into You also have to respect that, like, a good critic, and I'm not saying every critic in the business does this, but a good critic brings a certain degree of expertise to the table that a layman can't. And that's the thing that people hate to hear. No one online wants to hear that there's someone who maybe knows games better than they do. But here's the fact. Like, a good critic, you look at around, you know, just around our office, there are guys there who are playing every single game that mm. comes out. And I mean every game on every format. And, and have all been for they years. Do, and have been for years. And all they do all day, every day is think <clears throat> about how games work. And you have to accept that those guys have a certain degree of expertise that you can't have if you play FIFA and COD. Like, that's your two games you get or every year. Or even if you play, like, 20 games a year, you know, your average reviewer will play hundreds. In the same way that I can, I'll listen to an album and I'll go, I really like that album. I have to defer to the opinion of the guy on Pitchfork when it come, when who's listened to a, you know, yeah. 500 albums this year. Yeah. And when he says the certain album's the album of the year, I have to go, well, there might be something to this. I mean, maybe yeah. I don't agree completely with what he's saying, but I have to accept that he has a degree of expertise that I don't. And I think John Walker um, from Rock, Paper, Shotgun, who hit on something in an interview he did with Kotaku, he said... People don't value expertise anymore. Expertise is something that's detested online. People don't want expertise. Mm. They want to be the expert. Mm. And they will immediately dismiss anyone who puts themselves in a position where they're saying, I have expertise, you don't, which, of course, is what we do for a living. Yeah, I mean, I don't want it to sound like we're talking about how great we are, but there is a one of the, the skills of being you know, a journalist and what makes a you know, journalist different to someone who's maybe doing a blog from their room or, or whatever is that is that it's not just about the amount of games you play but it's how you structure a review and how you put a review together being able to communicate what is good and bad about a game is actually very difficult you know and structuring it in a very readable and precise well, way that's any, hard anyone at game station can tell you if a game is good yeah. or bad and anyone listening to this podcast right now can say if a game is good or bad, but a good critic should be telling you why it's bad. And if you're reading a review and the critic's not doing that, then you should dismiss that review. It's not good enough to ch take, change the word good for compelling. Mm -hmm. It's not good enough to change, change the word story for narrative. That's not that's not being a critic. Being you a critic is maybe like taking this thing and stripping it down, like working out what works, what doesn't, what complements what, and, and why the game functions the way it does, and why perhaps it doesn't satisfy, why it does satisfy. Anyone can say something's fun, and being a critic isn't just changing fun for compelling, which is, again, a lot of critics do that. Yeah. You were going to say something? No, well, you know, I think for most people, like, this side of it doesn't really matter. Obviously, no. it's quite... People, you know, people... Will know it. Will be confident in the whatever magazine they read. Yeah, that the you know, and this whole debate about what you know, what what is games journalism? What should it be? Won't affect most of them. No, <clears throat> and that's the thing that the, one of the things we got going on right now is that games journalists do write for games journalists a lot. They write for other games mm. critics, and they write for people who understand the business. And I think if you look at YouTube, what people really want to see is just good, enthusiastic criticism from people who are enjoying or not enjoying a game and you, you look at these videos of people just doing let's plays and just talking mm -hmm. talking their way through games people want to see more stuff like that. they want to see people like i say either enjoying it or not enjoying it and just expressing an opinion about it don't forget as well that you know among among people out there and i used to be the same when i bought games magazines you know from people out there well actually it wasn't the same when i bought games magazines we didn't have youtube and didn't have the internet but um 
you know, people out there, sometimes, you know, you'd read what a, a critic or a journalist, people like us say about it, and you're like, yeah, well, you're a journalist, you know, or a critic, and you have a sort of, maybe, maybe they view us as having a sort of hoity-toity view of games or whatever, and that's why these, you know, on YouTube, these, you know, for want of a better word, amateur kind of game, uh, well, sort of full-time gamers, but maybe amateur pundits, mm-hmm. uh, again, so many hits is because it's just like what does this what does this guy who's a bit like me think of this game and that's the important thing you gotta think like for me if I need a film review I go to Roger Ebert that's he's like he's my guy he's my he's the critic of choice I don't always agree with him but I find that his opinions are often in tune with mine Mm. so he's my sort of critic of choice and I think maybe that's the next, the next, you know, the next generation of games journalism has to kind of be that Mm. has to be people with strong voices who say their opinions and then you as a reader have to find the guy. You have to find your guy. Who's who's the guy who represents what you think of games? With games, I tend to go to Tom Chick a lot. I don't often agree with him. An American critic on Quarters of Three, and he does a lot of freelancing for different sites. I go to him stuff a lot. I mean, very rarely do I agree with him. But I like... Yeah, you respect his opinion. I, I respect his opinion, and often it'll give me a different way of thinking about a game. You know, I'll, I'll look at a game that I've enjoyed and appreciated and found some problems with, and I'll go to this guy, and he'll go, "Ah, but what about this? You th- have you thought about it this mm. way?" And you start going, "You know what? I hadn't. I hadn't thought about it that way." And I think that makes it interesting. I think there's a really there's a you know like the the critic is is still really important. Um, I don't believe that you know we've got you know lots of people think that we've got to a stage where you know criticism isn't that important because you've got you know everybody's got an opinion everybody anybody can be a reviewer but you really do you know need to sort the wheat from the chaff a lot of time because you know as i say uh, you know i've got bitter experience of this you know having had things reviewed on amazon by people who are barely you know who just barely literate you know so it's you know it is maybe i'm you know i'm predisposed to not like the system anyway, but I, I do think there's you know stuff fundamentally wrong where people can just review review a game like GTA Five, which isn't even out yet, yeah. or, or give Halo to you know two out of ten. That's wrong. It's not a two out of ten game, no. and it's unfair. You know, I'm not saying this because they're all big mates of mine. I've literally never met any of them, so I don't care either way. But it's unfair on a studio like Three Four Three. Met Frank O'Connor. I have met Frank O'Connor, but. It's unfair on a on a studio like three four three who have worked their asses off for two or three years on this game to to have some ridiculous review where they've given it a zero out of ten. Well, that's that's another that's the most important part of being a journalist is being reasonable and not uh, giving a game zero out of ten because you don't like it. It's about uh, respecting the game and yeah. the people that made it and giving there's it a another, fair. There's another argument there though, which <clears> is like. How far do you go with the respect that you show for the amount of effort a game took to make? Because like a game could take someone ten years to make, but at the end of the day, if it's a piece of shit. It's a piece no, of but shit. that's that's what I mean. You don't. Yeah, you don't. I don't mean judging the game. So based you, on you the respect effort. it. You respect it enough to give it a fair crack. I guess you just that's it about. You just play it and and objectively and neutrally go. Is this mechanically any good? You don't. You don't. You're not clouded by your emotions like, like you got you know like in Star Wars. <laughs> but you, don't, you, don't, you don't let the hate flow through you and yeah. turn to the dark side. You just look at it objectively, because that's what a, that's what a review is. It's an object. You don't go, well, I hate. I, I could sit down. I hate football, but I could sit down and give FIFA a, a fair mechanical review because yeah. you know I could review it as a game, even though I hate football. And I'd go, oh, 
I, d- I, w- I, I did- hate football. Zero out of ten. I didn't mean like we should you know, be be soft on them because they've spent three years no, making no, the game. No. What I meant is that they've spent three years making the game. So let's so- spend, let's spend time reviewing. Yeah, it. exactly. Let's give a give exactly. it a fair, a fair review. Yeah. Speaking of clouded by hate, I sent you a text the other night, didn't I? Yeah. So, so actually, shall I read it out? And no, then this it's will, too no, swearing. No, 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 no I'll, let's read it out and it will, it will lead us swears. into the next discussion. Okay. This, bearing in mind, I received this text at, this is the last one I had on as well. Yeah. I received this text at 3 a.m. Yeah. on Saturday. Yeah. I, luckily, I was already awake. Uh-huh. Otherwise, I'd be raining blows upon you. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a short fight. Uh, but yeah, so... So, you know, the previous discussions, like, oh, I'm playing Assassin's Creed 3. This is a text, by the way, I sent yeah, my phone. It's a text yeah. message. Yeah, we've been talking, we, um, Andy reviewed Assassin's Creed 3 and I've been playing it. And and you'd be, to su- suffice to say, you'd be very interested in it, because even when I was playing it in the office, you were hanging behind me going, actually, this, I'm excited about this. Yeah. And But then you played it. Yeah. Uh, right, so here's, here's the text. Blake, you, can't, you, have to just, you have to edit the swears on the fly. Can't we bleep, bleep them out? No, edit the swears on the fly. Just do it yourself. Because right. otherwise it's going to be... That guy's going to be like... It's going to basically sound like a talk from R2-D2 otherwise. All right. But uh, this was sent in a moment of fury, but okay. It goes... Um, it actually wasn't. It was sent in a moment of total relaxation. I was okay. like, you know what? I'm absolutely right. done. All right, so here we go. Okay, now I'm just chasing a guy who I, I can't possibly catch. And all he's doing is running and flipping laps around New York. Flip this flipping... Shatty ass piece of flipping shit. Four out of flipping <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. ten worthless uh, canoe of a game. It's just garbage. Every mission has been shit, bar maybe two. The world is boring. Connor sucks. The loading times are eternal. The controls are flipped, and I can barely steal this flipping racist caricature. I've died literally dozens of times because of glitches. I've died dozens more times because I didn't interpret what Ubisoft wanted me to telepathically understand from the mission <laughs> description. <laughs> and I think I hit absolutely every last thing about the game. The game made me sit and listen to a flippin' unskippable speech from some American general. Even the music is shit. Uninstalled. I'm done with this game. Yeah. My recreation time is sacred and this game thinks I'm an a-hole. Yeah. If I ever see a copy of this game, I'm, I'm burning it to spare someone else the misery. Yeah. I, I honestly can't believe that was written in a moment of zen. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that sounds like you're... Yeah, we've all been there. I'm not. I'm not judging. Yeah. We've well, all that, been that, in a that, stage yeah. where we're like so angry yeah. about a game. I've done that. I've turned games off and gone, everyone that made this game is a flipping loser. <laughs> yeah. But you know, so I for context say- though, you, you just done a mission also this bug happened to me where you chase a guy around in circles he's uncatchable infinitely and it took me like 40 laps of the same part of New yeah. York to catch and him and I, I was on my ninth lap and I was yeah. like you know what I stood up I walked across the room turned it off and I was like I'm done I'm actually yeah. okay just to put that away but now point. you can give the reasoned, the reasoned version, version of, that. of that but I just thought it was a, a great little moment of what this game can make you feel the moment my mind cracked yeah but now you can explain it I Why don't like hate, I don't yeah. like Assassin's Creed 3 I think it's a truly terrible game, a genuinely awful game. And I, I, I stand by what I said, that everything about the game is bad. Everything. <laughs> um, and it, just if for I a, a had reviewed context, it... Yeah, a bit you, of context. Yeah, because you, you didn't review it, but it got, it's had a widespread of scores from six, as low as 6 yeah. to 10 perfect scores. So it's definitely dividing but you're definitely and on Andy, the you gave it a back- I give it yeah I give it 8.0 and I can <clears throat> and I can see the argument for an 8 but I can also see a very good argument for like a 4 this game is troubled 
And it feels to me, and I, I'm, this would be pure speculation on my part, but it feels like they spent a couple of years building an engine and one year building a game. It's... The problems start right at the core for me. The problems start right at the ground level. The world you exist in completely defies Assassin's Creed's key gimmick, which is the parkour platforming. And you, that's your method of stealth in that game, being above the action. Boston and New York are basically two-story cities. So you're never actually, you've never got much to climb. You never go into a city and you see something in the distance and you go, wow, I can't wait to climb that. Because there's nothing that's that tall. The tallest thing are one or two churches. Yeah. You know, you're, the ships are taller than the buildings. The ships are genuinely the most impressive structures in the game and they are actually quite fun to climb. I could be. I, I could literally sit here and we may just take this entire podcast. So I'm going to give you the, the Cliff's Notes version of what I don't like about the game. The world sucks. It's just not a fun world to, to explore, and the game is full of busy work, which makes which seem which to extend the value in the game. And by chapter nine, I think I've killed four people in the entire game. And I'm talking about the guys who come stumbling out in the street and attack you, which, by the way, happens way too much. They're so alert now that they just, they just constantly mob you, so you're fighting all the time. I'm talking about the actual assassination missions. Bear in mind, this game is called Assassin's Creed. I've spent more time following guys and throwing boxes around and playing the mini-games. I've literally spent more time playing drafts than I have... Playing killing people. That's <laughs> that's a problem. Um, the naval combat's amazing. I love the naval combat. I really like that part. So I'm not going to get into that. I've died dozens of times because of glitches. And I mean dozens of times. Uh, there was a mission where it said to get full sync, you have to do a swan dive off of the uh, thing. I was like, fantastic. I just I see the obvious point where I have to dive. It's a log. It, leads, it hangs well out over the thing. You just run to the edge, jump off. So I did that, ran to the edge, and you just dropped like a stone off of the end. I just fell like a rock. So... The checkpoints in that game are spaced crazily as well. So I go back about 10 minutes, and then I'm stuck in the middle of a fight again. Okay, well, I'll fight all of these guys again. Fought them off, snuck out of there, got onto the log again. And I'm standing on the end of this log going, well, now I don't know what to do. Am, am I, is this really where I've got to jump? If I, if I got it wrong, then I'm going to have to go back another 10 minutes. So I... I, I hold forward on a stick, press the jump button, and this time it's like, it's like okay, it's gone into full swan animation, dives off, splashes in the water, and I get my full sink. So, how many times have glitches screwed me in this game? And I mean dozens. Dozens of times. Missions have been have ended because I was climbing on something, and Connor was like, Can I, okay, I'm going to just cross over to that gap, and Connor, halfway through the jump, has just gone, no, I'm just going to go back to my reset animation and just drop like a rock. Um... And those, those kinds of glitches extend just to walking around a town. You'll see a guy sitting on a chair, and he'll be three feet above the chair, and literally spinning on the spot. He'll be, he'll be glitch, he'll, be, he'll drop three inches, pop back up, drop three inches, pop back up, and he'll just keep doing that. A guy, one of my crew when I was, who I was walking around with the other day, hit a man with an axe. His body just vanished, went straight through the floor. These are cosmetic things, but bear in mind the glitches do affect gameplay as well. This game has been shipped in what I think is a kind of unfinished state. And even if the glitches don't get you, the scripting will. The thing that Assassins always did really well under Patrice Desolet, who did his last one was Assassin's Creed 2, and he also worked a bit on Revelations. What I did under him was this emergence, this kind of obsession with emergence, like cool stuff happening as you walk around. Uh, And cool stuff happens when you do a mission. You you get a target and you just say, go. Okay, go and get this guy. In Assassin's Creed 3, you'll be given a target and then you'll be given an absolute script to follow to get to this guy. 
And the cool thing about that is it encourages you to play in different ways. It encourages you to use corner cover, to use the guns, to use different weapons. But what it also does is mean there's no room for improvisation. There's yeah. no room for coming up with a creative strategy. There's no room for getting on the rooftop, breaking out the old bow and taking out a bunch of guys, sneaking across the roof and going, OK, if I wait just long enough, he'll be underneath me here and I can drop on him. Yeah. It's none of that. There'll be a scripted way to take that guy down. And that's the cool way of doing it. Or you can just do the fudge way, which is you run at them and hack them yeah. up. And that's if the game isn't a, a mission isn't an insta-fail mission. Well, the first major assassination, which is that guy Braddock, is um, you chase him on a horse and then you chase him on foot. Yeah. That's the first major and all assassination. The points at which he will get yeah. off of the horse is scripted. Yeah. The point at which you will fight him is scripted. Yeah. The speed he runs for you to catch up with him is scripted. And yeah. that's the first... And the the game is about assassinating people, or used to be. Yeah, is a scripted event because they, they didn't. Yeah, they just want you to play. It's just cutscenes. They want you to play out their cutscenes. Yeah, I liked the mission where I had to hunt the huntsman in the woods. There's guys poaching on your land. Yeah, that's and a you... good one. That that was the one of the few that has a feeling of I can because there's so many trees and yeah, I'm hunting yeah. these guys. In yeah. those sections, it was kind of like Arkham Asylum or Arkham City, where you're like, I'm hunting these guys. But from even above. then. Where those guys stand are designed for you to use the rope dart in specific yeah. ways. It goes, uh, hang this guy, pull this guy towards you. It's like a rope dart tutorial, but it does have a slight element of. There's another thing freedom. that you criticise as well, which not a lot of critics have picked up on, <clears> which is that you never feel like you've succeeded in that game. You only feel like you've achieved a different level of failure. Yeah. So if you do a mission, it will tell you at the end of the mission how, how much sync you've achieved, and by mm. how you, which you get by achieving certain objectives. And most missions on your first go, you're not going to get full sync. Yeah. So every single time you advance through the game, you're getting basically told off. You're just getting yeah. told, okay, this is, you, you're not good enough. You need to do better next time. Dishonored has this same problem. Yeah. And, oh, God, I've got so many, so many problems with the game, so I'm not going to go into all of them. But for me, the... the, the the problem begins at the ground level. They chose the wrong setting for the game. Yeah. And I really do feel like the setting was chosen because it was a chance to do a rah-rah yay America game. It really does feel like that to me because there's moments where, as I said in that text, you are encouraged, at least, to listen to exposition from these American generals and American leaders and... and isn't it quite... No, I thought it was yeah. quite critical, isn't no. it? Actually, I mean, I haven't played, yeah. that's why I'm not... There's actually, there's actually loads of dialogue that's totally critical of the Founding Fathers and of the whole idea of America. Very critical, extremely critical. Mm. Uh, whether it's Sean Hastings' uh, DNA uh, database entries are all totally damning. Whether it's Connor questioning that's the, played for laughs, so just because he's a Brit. No, but there's no, there's tons of uh, there's tons of criticism of the founding fathers and the Ameri the Patriots in that game. Tons of it, and I, that's one. I, I all your other points, I'm totally down with. But okay. I, I think they have really done a good job because there's a, you know the bit that really impressed me is when you meet up with Sam Adams, who is a known uh, one of the Amer you know American patriot hero, but he kept slaves like like the old did George yeah. Washington did. Connor points out the hypocrisy. He goes, "He to talk about it as they walk through the streets." Yeah, he goes, "You know, you you're fighting for the freedom of the colonies. Isn't that hypocritical when you own slaves?" And you know, and it, so they they do. I think it's even though they play it safe, where Connor is, like you say, his heart beats red, white, and blue. Yeah, he's still critical of it, and I think that's it's just toes the line of being a bit pro-American. The funny thing with Assassin's Creed is that all of their characters have always been morally, religiously. Um, and politically ambiguous. Yeah. They're always ambiguous on those things. They never really express an opinion about any of those things. 
Like they just they're like these ciphers that kind of observe the world. They yeah. never actually really. Well, they should have made it so that if they wanted to be really brave, they should have made it so that the Templars sided with the Patriots. And uh, he was forced to, you know, because they put the safe way is that the Templars are siding with the British. Mm. So let's kill those red coats. Mm. Uh, even though they are critical and there's a bit of gray area about the Patriots' intentions, it is fundamentally a kill Redcoats game. Yeah. And that, I think, is the weakness of it where uh, it seems, you know, even the the game's mythology about the Templars and all that, they, they, they're, them siding with any particular side totally goes against the grain of what they're, the, what they're built up about the Templars, yeah. about them being these sort of silent arbiters in the background who wait for things to happen, then swoop in and take control. Yeah. But, so I think that, I think you're right in terms of it went... It was, yeah, Connor's essentially on the side of the Patriots through necessity because he's fighting the Templars are on the side of the British. Yeah. But it, I think there's enough of it where he's not, it's not a total pro-propaganda piece. I mean, you know, like it talks about how uh, George Washington's going to be kidnapped because he keeps losing battles, you know. The, great, the first American president had a terrible track record for battles and they make fun of it in the game. Yeah. And you know Ben Franklin talks about how he likes to pour cold ladies. Yeah, so I'll, you know, take, I'll take your point on this one. Yeah. Yeah, so they did the art, but it's not totally. It is slightly a little bit too veered in terms of pleasing Americans, who are the more more Americans are going to buy the game than anyone else. Yeah. But, so so yeah. I guess readers will be asking why you gave it an eight, then if you agree with Mike about everything. Yeah, else. that's that's the that, yeah I, I agree with I it's not yeah it's not so much agree as acknowledge like the mission thing is totally bang on about that that is the biggest screw up in the game but they spent so much time making this new Anvil Next engine that they haven't had time to make mission that's, again that's pure yeah. speculation on our part and oh yeah yeah but, but I mean if it, it has yeah. to feel it has to feel that the missions were banged out in double quick time yeah. if they made the game in two years a significant amount of that must have been making this new engine so you, they, you can only speculate yeah, the engine's amazing as well yeah. like Anvil Next is incredible yeah. the, the engine, engine is yeah it's really struggling on the current hardware but it's going to look absolutely incredible on, yeah. on the next I would imagine Watch Dogs is running Anvil Next yeah, would imagine so it'd be, it looks it? like it. Well, I, I overall I liked. It. I mean, I gave it an eight. I didn't absolutely love it. I gave it. I had a higher score at first uh, early on in my like twenty hours in, and then the more I played it, the more I thought about it. Because I've played it for over sixty hours now. I've yeah. played a hell of a lot of it, and it, the more I played it, the more I realized that it's quite feels unfinished. Feels shoddy in places. It feels lack of polish. But overall. I just I loved being in that world. I know he didn't like the, the world, but I really like the setting. I'm really I'm one of the ten people in the world who likes the Assassin's Creed mythology. So on, on I, I in like, terms of I that, I really like the dug mythology it. too. I think the mythology is quite I good. It was, you know, it was a nice, I really dug the seeing the Assassin Templar beef in another time period. Just you know, I really like the revolutionary setting and stuff. So, but I think yeah, mechanically is a lot broken with it. But I actually, as a big sweeping adventure with tons to do, I really enjoyed it. No, you know, I had a really good time with it. It's a massive game, and there are and some, there are some like you know, really nice parts to it. There are some missions where you're just like, wow, if only the whole game could have been like yeah. this. But there's too, there's too much bullshit in it that yeah. lets it down. But really, overall, there's some great moments in it, and yeah, I, I, I really liked it. Yeah, it's just uh, as simple as that. Really. I've read, I just, well, I've read yeah. your review, and so our readers with a bit of luck, and I can definitely see the case for a night, but I couldn't get over so much of that stuff and I'm thinking maybe this this year of gaming is completely lost on me because another game I really couldn't get over is uh, Dishonored and you guys are yeah. both really enjoying that right now I wasn't told I mean both Tim and I weren't absolutely crazy about it but I think we we both appreciate how good, well designed it is but I wasn't totally yeah. flipped by it I wasn't like this is game of the year 
I actually like it more the second time playing it. Yeah. I, I think uh, I, fi- I finished it about uh, maybe a week and a half ago. I think I finished it like the same night you did, bizarrely. Yeah, we yeah, came in and t- we came in and talked about it, and uh, I-, I did. Re- I really liked it. I wasn't. <coughs> I wasn't like blown away by it. Like I know Alex Dale in the office um, reviewed it for CMG and Xbox World and uh, gave it a massive score of ninety five. Yeah. And I I still can't quite get behind that. I think it's. Um, I think I, I sort of know where he's coming from in that the world is is incredibly ambitious and because of that ambition, I think that there are certain things in it that don't work as well as they should. Throughout, I had a bit of a problem with the, the stealth system, not necessarily how it worked, but more what the rules of that stealth yeah. system were. Like I, I use the example when you play, I don't know about Absolution, but when you play something like Blood Money, actually, yeah, Absolution as well, because I played the first level of that and it was exactly the same. As soon as you're in that world, you're immediately familiar with what the rules of it are. Yeah, you all, know. all good stealth games like Metal Gears like that as well. Where, yeah. Where the guards will, you can learn, you get a feel for how far they can see. Exactly. The, how their movements, yeah. Exactly, you get, you get a feel, yeah, that's exactly it. And you get a feel for, for how they're going to behave and what you can get away with and what you can't get away with. And I think in Dishonored, throughout my first playthrough, it always felt like a a total knife edge and not in a good like this is really tense way but in a i hope that by doing this i don't accidentally yeah. get spotted you know you hear that you you think you're totally hidden you hear that bring yeah that's right Sounds and it seemed to be caught. quite random i remember yeah. one example the 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 level where you're having to go and um assassinate the uh is it the high overseer in yeah. the like the library thing? It's like a big library. Oh, it's Sokolov, isn't it? No, 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 no. It's the one after that where I'm sure he's in a big library. Maybe he's not. You're like protected anyway. Yeah. You're like he's got like a, a tall boy walking around in there, and um, you kind of get in there. And on the approach to that, there was there's a, like three tall boys, I think, like. Like patrolling the like the ground in front. Oh of yeah, him. the tower mission. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, I sort of snuck snuck my way in, and I got down, and um, I, I sort of was on a rooftop, kind of in plain sight. They were all like, loved it. They were like, goddamn resident, a bunch of crap. Elixir plague, load of crap. Yeah, and do you think you'll get your own squad after what happened last night? Yes, I believe so. Whiskey and cigars. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think that Harvey Smith, the creator, was uh, making fun of that, so they acknowledged that it's right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but anyway, I was on a rooftop and in plain sight, but they didn't see me. So I, I blinked down. I, I made my way pretty carefully around. There was like a high wall which I snuck down in front of, and there was a bush in front of me. And I headed for the. I heard them coming, so I headed for the bush, and they were kind of over the other side of the wall. I couldn't see them, but then I heard. Bling! Yeah. Catch that, you know, and they came after me, and I was like, wait a second. Yeah. You know, I'm behind a wall here. I'm hiding in a bush by any, you know, definition of of being hidden. That is being hidden. And in, but in Dishonored, it was, it was not the case, you know, so. Yeah, that's the only thing that let me down about it as well. I mean, I loved everything else, but that feeling of inconsistency yeah. plagued me. Pun. Plagued. Mm. But I loved, I loved the. I thought the world was great. I love the, I love the like the. You feel like by about level 
five, four or five, you feel like a total badass. When you've got like second stage blink and uh, yeah. second stage dark vision, you feel so empowered. And uh, and the irony is, is that the 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 sort of the sort of I think you're a bit like me, Andy. Like the way you want to play it is like super sneaky, and you want to choke them out and dump them in bins and keep it all nice yeah. and clean. But the irony is the, the 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 actual firing of the guns and the killing in that game feel great as well. Yeah. Like coming up and st- giving someone the old neck stab, or the actual you know the 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 gun itself feels really powerful. So even when it does descend into a firefight, it's not you know you never feel like you you don't have the tools for the. What's well, that? The occasion. It goes back to that thing Mike said about assassins, where it gives you stats at the end, and it goes the stats are how well did you stealth it when it should be, it should not, you know, yeah. you should be able to get the choice. So if you, it gives you twenty fun ways to kill a guy, two ways to knock a guy out, and the stats at the end go, well, you didn't, you didn't, you stealth well enough, so you didn't do very well there, did you? It's yeah. Like, why, you know, if, if I can play like I want, why am I punished by the stats screen and by the increase in weepers and rats for yeah. killing people? Yeah, I think a measure of the game is that second time round I've been playing like the super super stealthy approach. Um, I did the kidnap Sokolov mission, Sokolov mission again, and uh, ended up killing one guy just out of necessity, really. But um, what I liked about it was that my mission, my um, route through that mission was completely, literally, completely different to, yeah. to what the, to the one that I took the first time round. Bar a couple of like doorways at the same, etc. Uh, um, but I thought that was a real measure of the game. And uh, talking to other guys in the office, it literally is one of the few games where you will come in and you're honestly at a point where it's a bit like I, you know you guys are talking about Elder Scrolls. You know when you're all playing, it's like oh I haven't done that. You know you yeah, all yeah. kind of have a very different experience with it. And so I I, I don't love it like like Alex loved it, but I do. I did really, really enjoy it, and um, you know, I had a few caveats, but I did generally, generally it's, enjoy it. It's completely the opposite of Assassins because uh, you go. So, how did you do that mission in Assassins? Oh, exactly as you did it yeah. because there's no space for freedom, and that is the next Assassins. It's to now that it's got Anvil next made, it needs to focus on making a game that uh, gives you some freedom rewards some creativity and mm. goes back to assassinating and not scripted movie scenes. I actually think that Dishonored, if they make Dishonored 2, that there is actually room for them to be even <clears throat> more ambitious with it in terms of taking some nods from really classy stealth games. Like, for example, that I've talked about this in the office, there was a mission, the, ball, the sort of ball, you know, like the... Um, the Lady Boyle's Manor thing. So I followed her around. I mean, this won't mean anything to people who haven't played Dishonored, but you, you basically you, you you kind of zero in on this woman who you've got to. You can either assassinate or you can take her somewhere else in the level to be kind of whisked away. And there's there's all numbers a number of ways to do it. Anyway, I followed her around this house, and um, she I followed her route, and a route literally took me like four minutes to follow her around this level. So it took quite a while of setting up, and I watched her, just watched her. Because there's tons of guards around, and they've got um they've got the guys in the masks. What they call overseers, the overseers yeah. who block your magic if you find you know if they find out you're uh, you're in there doing you know nefarious circumstances, uh, yeah. assassinating. That's right. And so I followed her around, and she got to like this spinning globe, and uh, she'd stay there. And I looked around, and there was no one, no one near me at all. No one near me, literally no one near me. So I thought, what a great place to drop a spring mine. 
you know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. on the back of this globe. Because next time she does a circle, because there was no other person who came close to this globe, next time she does a circle, it'll blow up. I'll be like, yeah. you know. Like Hitman, like the accidents you can set up. You exactly, know? like Hitman, exactly. And mm. and that setup, that the way I set that up was based entirely on my experience of playing Hitman. Because yeah. that's exactly the sort of thing you do. Anyway... So I sort of kept my distance from her and followed her, sort of followed her around. She went, went, eventually came back to the globe, spanned the globe. The spring mine was on there, didn't go off. Yeah, that's really unsatisfying. She walks off. Some other guy, and just a random guy in a mask, comes up, blows up, (laughs) and then the overseers and the guards go, "You!" and come after me. And I was miles away. I was literally on like two rooms away from from them. That's it's really just, unsatisfying. It's like man. tiny things like that, and I think yeah. that it needs to. I mean, I'm not a programmer, so I can't say how easy or hard it is. But that, in, in when you give players like so much freedom of movement and choice, when you don't feel like it's giving you, you, you almost like expect it to be able to do anything. Yeah. It's, it's like a, you need consistent rules is all you need. Yeah, you, the rules just have to be consistent all the time. But I, I mean, I feel like I'm saying, yeah, but I need even more freedom. But I, I kind of do, because in a world like that, where you have that level of freedom, I guess where does the freedom stop? Stealth but- games are almost entirely about rules. You have The AI have to be readable in a very specific way. Mm. and you, They have to consistent. They have to conform to certain behaviours. You don't want a completely human AI because it wouldn't be fun to hide from it. Just an AI just walks around just randomly looking in all directions at all the time. You need a mechanical AI. You need them to have predictable repeated behavior so you can go okay i know i know how to play this i know how to behave here i know what works and what doesn't and the game becomes sticking to those things that work and then of course having like a broad enough range of behaviors that you're still able to be surprised when certain things change when the circumstances of your stealth is altered my problem with um dishonored is actually entirely my problem rather than any problem in the game is i just feel clumsy all the time in that game, I feel so clumsy. I, I always, I always fudge everything. I always get everything wrong, and nothing that I plan out goes as I planned. And that would be cool if it was like a, if it if it went wrong in a way that where I could rectify. improvise and rectify it in, in an interesting way. But mostly, my my when I rectify it, I just do it at the end of a sword, you know. Yeah, I'm... and it's that's my problem. I. I I'm not very good at the game. And that's weird for me because I'm like a stealth game guy. Yeah. I'm not good at Dishonored. I, I, I totally hear you and I, I can, in a lot of ways, agree with you. I think that in that game, a lot of the time, your best intentions do end up um, turning into a sword fight, stroke shooting people, stroke mm. running away. And I think that's because, as we say, the rules of the world aren't clear. Having said that, I'm surprised you sort of say like you feel clumsy in the world because mm. actually when I got to like the fourth level, um, maybe even the third, which is, I can't remember, the third the third level was the... Ah, anyway, it doesn't matter. Oh, yeah. When I got to a certain point, I was <clears throat> um, I felt quite powerful. Once you upgrades to the second level blink and the second level dark vision, it really... You know, the dark vision is like Metal Gear Solid sort of cones of, yeah. you know, cones of vision. And, and the blink just makes you feel so powerful because it's a means of escape. It's a means of movement. It's a, it's a weapon, you know, and I, I really, that's when the game really opened up for me. Like first level, couple of levels, I was really quite unsure about the game. But once I got that second level blink, it really, really made 
made me feel um, powerful, you know. And then, of course, when you get the invisible, um, the stop time later on, it's just like the get game. Stop time of, is so powerful. Yeah, it is. If like, I get seen, I just hit stop. The time second level one is unbelievable as well. It's just like literally stops time. Yeah, you know, and you walk past them and the you know, but the, like I say, second time around because I sort of know the rules of the well. The, the rules of the world, whether I agree with them or not, I, I sort of know them this time round, so I am enjoying it more second time round. Yeah, it's good. This game is enjoyable two times in a row mm. as well. Like you could finish it and then just go straight back. To yeah, the that's that's pretty much exactly what I did. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, a game we've all been playing this morning. Yeah, is it even a game? I don't know. I don't know. And it is. Kind, it it's is. kind of. I guess it's kind of on topic because it's Pete. Pete Molyneux's yeah. back. Yeah. Well, it's fresh, it's fresh in, off of Fable Three. It's in my games folder on my iPhone, so it is a game. Yeah, it's curiosity. What's inside the cube? Yeah, everyone's playing this. Yeah, everyone's what? just tapping away. Do you yeah. want to explain what it is for people who? Uh... So it's a it's a cube that um, it's got something like sixty billion. Yeah, pi- what are effectively like pixels? Call, I guess. Yeah, cuboids. They're calling them. It's it's like a, yeah, it's a cube made up of uh, something like. 100 million pixels that's and that's one layer of this cube um and you can zoom right into yeah. this cube so it's a 3d we're looking at it now obviously this is radio yeah. sort of internet radio so but currently the black cube uh, when we started playing it earlier the black cube was mostly black now that day the day has passed there's loads of green gaps in it it's very mm. green there's a picture yeah. underneath it's gradually yeah. being revealed as yeah. people chisel, chisel away at this thing and, and the, that's, yeah, and the it, thing is <clears throat> the whole world is chiseling away at this anyone, yeah. anyone can download this it's completely free if you have an iPhone it's completely free you can download it right now and you just start chipping away you just tap it every time you tap you remove a pixel yeah and there are millions of these pixels yeah each, the black is made up of pixels yeah so every tap is a pixel yeah yeah and you and, gr- and you gradually yeah, and you, work away with, again collaborating with everyone else on Earth. Well, anyone it. else with a copy of this game? So and that's the whole game. That's I think, it. I think Mike described it best when he said it's like bubble wrap. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's like popping just pop every time you tap, wrap. it just feels nice. It's a nice yeah. tap. And then what they did is they incentivized the bubble wrap. They incentivized the bubble wrap by giving you points. Yeah. So every bubble you pop and pixel you chip away, you're getting one point. And if you chip away a bunch in a row without hitting any yeah. of the background, you'll get a multiplier. So there's a, 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 there's a game element to it. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah and so you can create big combos of chips. And, and you get coins, which you can use to buy smart bombs that wipe out a whole bunch of pixels. You can buy a better chisels. Yeah. That for a short period of time, like you ch- chop away multiple For like five pixels. minutes, you can take away huge yeah. chunks. There's um, one which creates, turns your finger into a bomb yeah. so that you, for eight <clears throat> seconds, you can take out massive chunks of stuff and you, but you have to just hammer away like crazy for those seconds. There's the, the fabled diamond chisel. Yes. Which you can buy for real money, but not yet. But currently it's 300 billion coins. Yeah. Uh, I've currently got, I'm looking here, 35,000 coins. So. And, and 35,000 coins is, a, a decent yeah. sum. Yeah. That's it's a decent chunk of, of change. Yeah. yeah. This is um, it, it's again. It begs the question: What is and isn't a game? The fact is, I'm I'm playing it like a game, so I would say it's a game. Yeah. I'm playing it to rack up, you know, points. I'm playing it to rack up coins, and Andy's literally sitting here playing it right is now. It, is that yellow or is it just your screen? No, it's, it's green. Yeah, it's oh, different right. shades of green. But yeah, it's like if you zoom right into the lowest level, the screen is filled with the the pixels become little three D cubes. And by clearing them all, you get a bonus for clearing the screen. But it's kind of people are using it 
for like drawing pixel art in it. People are drawing willies and writing swear words. And yeah. It's like a big graffiti board. But so you can tell that the interesting thing is, but looking at the overall cube, you can sort of see the behavior of people where each corner, people are working their way in. Yeah. And there's one great massive crater on one side that uh, one side is more, way more rapidly cleaned up. It's than the like other one. people have naturally gravitated to clearing yeah. the one that's most cleared. And But then Peter Morn, you said in an interview with Edge, you know, Anything he says, you've got to take with uh, a salt mine. But um, <laughs> he says that he, they're going to sort of mess with people. So they're going to make it so that people in a certain region, it will take two taps to get rid of a pixel instead of one. And by a certain region, you mean like in London, for instance? Yeah, like yeah. The, maybe, then, maybe everyone in Birmingham, all of a sudden, they, they yeah. tap away. Yeah. Oh, they're gonna, it, it takes three taps to destroy the, a cube. And he says he's going to sort of subtly change the texture in the background to see if people radiate towards them different shapes. And so it's like a... a Social he's experiment. Man, yeah, he's like manipulating it in real time. Yeah, and it, I th- yeah, I, I think what's interesting with it is that people like globally of of I know it sounds corny, but they kind of working together in a way that you don't always get online. Yeah. You know, like normally it's like fuck you, man. You know, yeah. your yeah. mother's a bitch. Yeah, you know, but now it's like. <laughs> yeah. uh, What's well, like it feels a bit it's like a PG rated version yeah, of what I hear on Hollywood. Yeah, that's right. It's kind of like a chain. You feel like you're in a chain gang. You're in a sweatshop. Well, it it feels completely pointless. As I was tapping away, I was like, "This is absolutely pointless." <laughs> but then Andy Kelly just literally cleared a screen because you get bonuses if you clear your entire screen, and you get a bigger bonus if yeah. you've got more because you can pan out a little bit and make so you can see more of the cube yeah. in your screen. Now. I wonder if it's going to give you bonuses for clearing an entire side of the cube. If yeah. you're the last person to chip away that. Well, that's the thing. The whole point of it is that the centre of the cube, there is something that Peter Molyneux has described with uh, various adjectives, including world-changing, the game amazing. Is, the game is what's inside the cube, and yeah. apparently the thing at the very centre of the cube will be something that will change your life. Yeah. And, this, the, the, and what's, it's up yeah. to you. If you're the guy who chips it away, if you get the final chip... And you see what's inside yeah. the cube. No one else sees it. No one else sees it but you. And yeah. it's up to you whether you tell anyone what it and is. And so some of the best theories that are floating around are uh, that we use the front camera on the iPhone and it will be yourself in the middle of the cube. That's not life-changing though, is it? Yeah, that's the thing. But, you know, people have got mad theories. Like someone had, uh, see that to someone me- said that it's like every click is collaborating to something uh, like fold, the folding protein at home, folding yeah. at home thing. So we're actually all well, working together for some... It's possible that it really is doing that because... It really thrashes your <clears throat> processor yeah. in a big bad way, in a way that it doesn't. Like it's not graphically intensive. This game, so it's it's absolutely thrashing your processor for something. And it gets your phone gets uh, really you know, hot. May, maybe I'm just reading into it to be. Then who yeah, knows? I might just be badly. But here's the thing: though. in an interview, I think it was on Eurogamer. Someone asked Peter Molyneux, <clears throat> "Like, is it a million pounds?" Yeah. And Pete said, "I don't think a million pounds would change your life. I don't think it's a life-changing yeah, amount of money, or the world, or the world. So yeah. whatever is inside is more interesting than a million pounds. And let but me no- tell you, a million pounds is pretty damn interesting to me. But nothing can uh, what nothing can change the world. What what changes the, what can change the world? But did he say change the world? I mean, we always say life, it, it, it said life changing. Was it life changing? Okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah, life changing would be a massive sum of money. Well, what what else? Isn't there?" Yeah, I, I don't know. And people have said, yeah. "Well, we need a job offer with twenty-two cans." But honestly, if they'll give you, if they offered you a job, would you take yeah. it? Yeah. What qualification is? Oh, I tapped away loads of pictures. Exactly. They're not just going to give yeah. like a job to someone who's. And maybe they maybe the 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 thing is at the center is is going to they'll, they'll take you. They'll pay for you to travel the entire world for a year. Mm. Well, then you're basically just into that million pounds territory again. But you know? to everyone else, 
no one no one will care that some guys want to want an amazing thing. It's got to no. be something that everyone goes. <gasps> wow, that yeah, wow. yeah. But and, do you think there's any possibility that actually they don't know what it is? Yeah, maybe they've not decided. Like the yet. ending of Lost. Yeah, it's like <laughs> the Lost of video games. Well, I think there'll be my my actual theory is that there'll be nothing in it, and he'll say it was about the journey it wasn't about the discovery but again that's not life changing and, yeah. and Pete cannot be caught lying yeah, but I, no but I think he'll say that the, the, the promise of it being life changing was to drive the people to chip away so the journey was the it'll get absolutely would be the end of his career like yeah. there, there would ne- he could never make I mean he could make another game again but no one would, would be inclined to play it I mean, if, if he's going to make 22 wacky experiments yeah. 22 wacky experiments from 22 cans it has to be the first one has to deliver in such a big way yeah. that people just are like that. Wow, a man's life's been changed. Yeah, and that now what next? He's got to live up. It's got to live up to his billing. It has to deliver. But Andy here has got a real problem with the way I play Curiosity the Cube. Well, I, the way I'm I'm playing it now and uh, on the podcast, I'm watching life, him playing it right and now, and I'm playing it the way that Mike doesn't play it. Uh, I'm clear. I'm doing it uniform. I'm clearing every pixel so that I. C- so what he'll do is pan across to a blank pe- a blank space, and start chiseling away until it's that space is all background yeah. until you've you've taken off that entire layer. What I will do is I'll find a blank space and then just drum with both fingers yeah. all over the screen until I break my combo because you, you in factual fact you can make more points with a big combo than you can mm. make with clearing a screen. So I'll just drum away completely until I get to the point where my combo is broken. Because you can get easily get like uh, a 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 point combo just by drumming away on an empty space. And then these guys are just literally sitting here playing this damn game. <laughs> I'll tell you, sorry to interrupt, Mike. It's just that it can't, what just happened to Andy, the old white screen, yeah. constantly happened to me earlier. Yeah, because they've, they've put... They put the Facebook button on yeah. the screen. Yeah. But it's not that. It's that I think the games are... I think, I think maybe they've been a bit overwhelmed by the response to this. And oh, I, the white server thing. I, yeah. I, got, I got a yeah a suspicion that's to do with the server well, and Pete stuff. Well, Pete said he didn't expect the first layer to be taken off in like one day. Yeah. That's, what, that's what we're shaping up to and take. The, the fact that it's just going to snowball because it's free. There's no barrier of entry. If you've got an iPhone, which millions of people have, you can, you can play it and that's the surprising thing. I wonder how they make money it. on this. Yeah. They, they can. They physically. Can. Well, nice. Well, people maybe people buying stuff. But who's going to really? No, there's no advertising attached to it. There's yeah. no. There's no advertising. They don't charge for it. You raise an interesting point, actually. What are they? You can't just have like twenty guys sitting around in a studio just make thinking shit up if there's no. Yeah. What about in for the server as well? What about the if the life changing secret is something that <clears throat> ends up making twenty two cans some money as well? Yeah. I only think because otherwise they don't make any money out of this. It's, just, it's literally just a PR exercise, and maybe that's what they want at this stage. Well, it could be like I mean, it could be game one is a free game which gets everyone talking. Yeah. Game two is a sixty-nine p. Yeah. Well, you think about how to you know like Jetpack Joyride as well is a popular free game. I mean, they, something must be keeping that company. And I guess well, the thing they were always planning on doing is selling chisels and that kind of thing, selling yeah. chisels yeah. to maniacs. And yeah. I, I think I think communities are going to club together. I mean, I think you know, a four chan club together, they could raise money if, for a if, massive. Four chan uh, or say something, something awful forum goons. Yeah. Or even Reddit, if they all got together and said, "Let's buy the fifty grand chisel." Yeah. Let's set up a Kickstarter right now, and we'll buy the fifty grand chisel. And maybe he's counting on that kind of community madness to uh, 
make him some money. It just the whole <clears throat> like he's mad for promising that it's going to be amazing yeah. and life changing because I, I think it's the the absolute zenith of his mad promises. Like nothing. As soon as whatever is revealed, is that it? Will be trending on Twitter. Guarantee it. Whatever it is, it'll be good. people and a massive cry of going. Is that it? Was that it? Was that what was inside the cube? I think it's hard to live up to it. What's going to happen is you chip away the final block on someone's going to do it in like late December and it'll bring about the old Mayan apocalypse. Yeah. 23rd of December, someone yeah. chips away the final thing. The, the seventh seal opens. Yeah. But it the is, river's run red with blood. It's kind of, I think if, if you're listening to this, you've boil. Got, if you've got an iPad or an iPhone, go and download it and just have, have a tap, draw a, you know, draw a, a willy. But do, but do it on Wi-Fi and do it um, with yeah. your phone plugged in because it chews for your battery and chews for your 3G in a really big, big, yeah. bad way. But it is worth just experiencing, which is like, sounds like the kind of thing that Molyneux wants you to say. But it is like, when you see the cube and it's glory and you, know, you, you realise that all those shapes are by people's hands, it's quite yeah, amazing. Yeah, it's, it's been like, a, it's, it's, what's interesting to me is... as. In a weird way, it's like a Bristolian. Like in Brist- Bristol's kind of like a sort of a sort of mecca for street art. You go everywhere you go around Bristol, you see people just who have just daubed their shit on the walls. You know what's mm. what is what do I want to say? I just I just mark it up here on the wall. What do I want to what do I want to <coughs> see on this wall? I just do it. And now this cube has been given to the entire world, and you get to see what goes on in people's minds. What if I give you a blank canvas? What are you going to do with it? And if the next guy who's also working in the exact same space that you're working in wants to go over the top of your canvas, what's he going to do with yeah. it? How is he going to modify the thing you've done? So for you get this kind of weird emergent street art kind yeah. of thing where you have a bunch of people just hammering away, drawing a nice big cock, and then someone else goes and writes something next to it, Steve is a, uh, and it's like yeah. it finishes with this big cock. And then someone else that completely erases the cock altogether and starts on something brand new right next to it. And now it's like, it's this constantly a changing, constantly shifting thing. And okay, so there's a big fat cock in that space. What well, right now, it's not going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. Well, so what's going to be in, what's going to be right, you know, in the blank space tomorrow. And you're, what you're going to get is over the, any over many months, you're going to get, you're going to get a lot of swastikas. Yeah. You're going to get a lot of cocks. Well, someone wrote today, uh, Peter's games are all crap. Yeah. No, no, your games are all shit, Pete. And then someone t- uh, hacked out the shit and wrote, great. Huh. See, there. So, yeah. People are using it as like a way to someone. express themselves. And that. Someone. Yeah. <laughs> P. Yeah. P. Mon. P. Mon. <laughs> That's, you know, this is, this is what's going to make this thing interesting, guys. Yeah. Ahead. This is what's going to make it fascinating. And who knows how long it's going to last. Yeah. Pete was originally predicting it about three months. But if people can start chipping away at the speed they've been doing it today. Yeah. And bear in mind, most people are at work right now. Yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in America and in Britain, where in you know, Western Europe, where most of, in, in America, where most of the shipping is going to be done, yeah. they're all at work tonight. The real shipping begins. Yeah. We've already gone through half of the first line. But then, as the pixels deplete, Monu has said this. He's looking forward to seeing people fighting over the last few pixels, um, because sometimes you'll see in real time blocks disappearing next to you because that's another person. So if, if there's like a hundred pixels left, you're going to see people like that. No, fuck off! I want to get you know. I want to be. I want to get the last one. So. It will go. It will turn from a, a free spirited art project to a post-apocalyptic land grab. It's wasteland. Yeah, 
I I like my method better. I like my method, which is like it disrupts the natural order of things. You're just causing problems because then they have to go in and do each other finicky Good. little pixels. Disruptive. It'd be a, you should systems need disruption. You're extending the mystery, though. No, what you're doing is you're you you've got this system and you you're like I'm gonna I'm gonna play by the rules of the system. I'm Neo here. You're the you're the agents. I'm the guy who's like disrupting and breaking the system. I want to see what's in the the cube though, and you're. Making Not, that slower. You're, you're agents. I'm you're chipping agents, away yeah. more pieces faster than you could ever chip. So people are going to mop up behind. You know. Hey, they'll, 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 that's their problem. Not you're mine. Ruining the Listen, cube. some men just want to watch the world burn. <laughs> and Tim, Tim's saying they're hammering away right yeah, now. Just going to get my screen bonus. <laughs> oh, tap 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 tap. This is making great listening. That's the thing about radio. Ah, there we go. <laughs> you guys, you guys. <laughs> so, um. For various reasons, this is going to be one of the. Um, we're not. We haven't got many podcasts left this year because we haven't been able to really turn around podcasts at like a breakneck rate. You know, we're we're producing a magazine here with like a team of li- literally a team of two today because we got Milf and uh, Andy Hart up on holiday, and and I'm sitting here talking shit with you guys. So it's down to a team of one back in the office right now. Uh, for various reasons, there's like you know, it's not going to be dozens of podcasts left in uh, 2012. But what we will do is. Um, talk about the games of the year at some point and hopefully get you guys back but for now we're going to go to reader questions and i'm going to just jump in and just do a big grab bag of the uh, the questions we got because i'm um, in my infinite preparation i actually look at these questions before i came along um we never also played 007 legends have we no no ben played it a bit in the office and old um xbox world favorite rob taylor no, I, I know one thing about it though What's that? Um, there's a scene where a pussy galore says to James Bond, "Pussy." Yeah, he goes, "What's your, what's your name?" And James Bond goes, "James Bond." <laughs> <laughs> Hello, my name is James Bond. <laughs> Can I have a martini prepared in no specific way, please? <laughs> Thank you. So yeah, that that seems to be like a fundamental misunderstanding of James Bond. Have you guys seen the new movie? No, no. Well, that's the end of that then. Isn't yeah. it? <laughs> um, Joe Rawling asks, who would you like to see get the Aliens versus Predator license? So imagine the multiplayer possibilities. And then he says, why isn't there a Death Race game use for as a game engine to put guns in it? Now, I would say the, the Death Race thing, is the minute you put guns into a, on a car in a yeah. game, bad things happen. Yeah. Twisted Metal happens. There's never been that. a good Vigilante 8. Yeah. yeah. It's controversial because people go, no, Twisted Metal's good now. There's never been a no. good no. gun twist, on a twist, car twist, game. Twisted Metal's shite. And if you like it, you are also shite. Uh, <laughs> but who would you like to see get the Aliens? We've done this before with James Bond saying, you know, IO could get it, Kojima Productions mm. could get it. Who would you give to Aliens vs. Predator to? I mean, what kind of game would you want it to be? Let's just start there. It would just have to be an FPS, wouldn't it? Could be like an Arkham City style kind of open world, you know, where yeah. you're predator hunting in, yeah. the, in the city. Yeah, that could be good. I'm thinking Predator Rocksteady. 2 here. Yeah. Oh yeah, the massively, yeah. the massively overrated Predator too. Imagine yeah. Arkham City overrated. style. Yeah, I hate that film. Really? Yeah, it's rubbish. Have you watched it lately? No, not lately. Honestly, watch it. It's terrible. Why? It's just awful. It's da- got, it's Danny got... Glover is awful in it, like from beginning to end. <laughs> it's the the concrete jungle aspect is just doesn't work. But that would make an awesome Arkham City style game. Yeah, with the Predator stalking people through the city. Where streets. would where would the aliens fit in though? They would um, control Bosses. the underground. 
in sewers. Yeah. And every now and again, there'd be like a breakout where they kind of make it into the overground. And they have something. a fight and all the humans get and, in the way. And, yeah. And yeah. at that point, it's kind of your job as a predator. Like, you're this predator who's been sent there to hunt, but the hunt's got out of control. Yeah. The aliens are taking over the underground and it's so dangerous down there. It's literally, it's death. If you go in there, you're going to get killed. There's no two yeah. ways about it. So... You, st- you, st- you still make it a place that you can get into, but you definitely wouldn't want to. So you start to start thinking tactically. How do you lure these guys out? Well, that would mean using humans as bait, maybe. Maybe you're stringing up humans, you're catching humans, using them as bait. <coughs> but then also, that's what a dishonorable thing to do to let these humans die. So you don't want them to die. So you have to. You're there. You end up having to hunt these aliens in these spaces. Yeah. But then also, you could have like. Those marines in there. I mean, the thing is, Predator 2 might not be a good movie, but it did introduce a lot of cool things to the Predator mythos. The big blade disc, his spear, all that kind mm. of thing. The net that he uses and that kind of stuff. And the kinds of enemies he could face. You'd be taking on regular marines, you'd be taking aliens, but you'd also be taking on those marines who've got the thermal suits, you know, which block out your heat vision mm. and that kind of thing. And the heat vision is basically Batman's detective vision already. Yeah. I say give it to Rockstar. Yeah. They actually yeah. did a, a decent uh, Predator game on PS2 called Concrete Jungle, which I reviewed back in the day, and it was that stalking the city was streets, it, and it was all right. Was it really was good? That good? Yeah, yeah, it was. Oh, no, 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 no. no, it was all right. I seem to remember that being pretty dumb. It was all right. Right. But yeah, imagine that made by Rocksteady. Boom, there you That'd go. That'd be amazing. I mean, it's that, or you say, imagine giving it to like Mikami's company and it come and, um, uh, not listening, oh, it's Tango. Imagine giving it to Tango and saying, do something a little bit like Resident Evil 4. Completely yeah. linear, third person shooter, but make it, but essentially at that point you're into dead space territory, you know? Yeah. And the trouble with aliens is the aliens are always going to be aliens. And that's the problem that, uh, we said this on the sort of thing before, that's the problem that Gearbox have got with Aliens, with, um, aliens Colonial Marines. The fact is an alien is still going to attack you in the same way. And it, mm. But it doesn't, and the aliens don't work, and aliens will never work in video games because the alien, the xenomorph is the zenith of organic evolution. And part of that is its acid blood defense mechanism. Yeah. You can't put acid blood in games because you can't it's program it not, melting through everything. Yeah, and also so, it's just not a fun yeah. thing to fight yeah. either. If you yeah. shoot uh, a thing with a shotgun at close range, you don't want it to be like, oh yeah, you're dead. He you're says dead in too. the film, uh, Harry Dean Stanton uh, puts the ballpoint pen up to the blood. Actually, mm. no, it's, the, it's Dallas, the mm. captain, and he goes, must be some kind of defense mechanism. One of the earliest setups of what the aliens are, and no game has featured it because it doesn't make sense. Yeah. It's the same reason Superman games don't work. You can't be invincible. Yeah, you can't yeah. be invincible. So I don't think they should do it. The any only way you could make games. it make it work is if it was just one alien, and yeah. maybe it's like a big haunted house style. Yeah, like it's super know. intelligent. You're stalking it throughout the whole game. Yeah, I'm not sure how you'd... How you, you make what, it Nemesis you, from Resident Evil 3. Yeah, Nemesis yeah. from Resident 3. That's what I thought You know, well. rather than... Because yeah. uh, that's the problem with the Aliens games. Is it's just fair, like if, firing off your pulse rifle. If, yeah, yeah, if you do the haunted hours. house thing, if you do it as a survival horror game, you are basically going back to Resident Evil, the original one. Yeah. Where the zombies, all they do is walk towards you and grab you. Mm. You know, well, that's all the aliens are going to do, but they're going to do it really fast. So maybe you can you can definitely make it that game. You I can, like the hunters and Resi. Like they're sort of the the there'll be another easier fall there to deal with, but there'll be the formidable alien that'll appear yeah. occasionally. And, and yeah. ultimately, do you actually want to play as a predator? I think part of the fun of like Predator the film is that you don't know. Um, you've got all these ultra-tough guys being taken down by someone even tougher. Yeah. yeah. That's what makes the film fun. So everybody wants to be Batman, but do you want to be this horrible, scaly alien with but the thing who is, talks with clicks? And The thing is with being Batman is that 
even though you're still Batman, you're still vulnerable. Whereas yeah. like the the Predator's the ultimate hunter. Yeah, yeah almost an Alien versus Predator game kind of demands that you be a human caught in the middle. Yeah, that's why I think you know a lot of the time that you know you do have a lot of missions but, in these okay, games. Okay, so maybe maybe this is your game. It's the it's the Rocksteady Arkham Asylum template, and you as this human character, it's you gear-gate the whole game by having him acquire Predator technology as you go through. You end up getting human and Predator tech. So maybe one of the first things you get is like the alien-style motion sensor, right? But then later on, in a fight, or one of the rare fights against the Predator, which will be a boss fight because they're so badass, you manage to take, you manage to rip this guy's helmet yeah, off of his yeah. head. So now you've got the Predator's helmet, which gives you the thermal vision. And later on, you actually... You know, you see a bunch of aliens swarm on a predator. It gets taken out, but you manage to recover his shoulder gun from, yeah, the, from yeah. the wreckage. And gradually you start leveling up. You end up getting the wrist blades. You end up getting the net launcher. You end up getting the shoulder gun. You get the thermal vision. And you gradually acquire all of this gear. Like Batman format, the Metroidvania. Yeah, and you use that gear to unlock yeah. new areas and mm. so on. Like, you know, you get... Uh, you, you, end, you sort of end up... You, you, obviously, you start off with just like the shotgun and... But maybe later on you get it's sort of set in some semi present day, so you get like a prototype version of the pulse rifle from Aliens versus Predator, mm. which become which means all of a sudden you can cut through aliens really fast. And you get the sentry gun that you can set up as well when you're finally going into that underground area and you know it's death, but you have to go down there to retrieve I don't know some humans who've been abducted or something. Mm. Well, while you're down there, you start you you can the only way you could even survive down there is using the sentry gun to block off certain areas. Mm. That would be like a you know, gear gating kind of thing. Yeah, That'd be a good game, right? Let's make it. Let's oh no, we haven't got the license right or any programming expertise. <laughs> How would you make a um, a good Superman game? I just, don't think just you can. Dawn, it doesn't work unless you set <laughs> no, it on unless you set it on the planet Kryptonite or yeah. whatever, Krypton. <laughs> unless you no, unless you set it on a and a a giant base Lex Luthor's base made of Kryptonite. Yeah. There'll be no reason why it should ever be weakened. You know, it's like yeah. we always talked about in the it's office. It's kryptonite fog, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's what we always talk about in the office is the, you know, the, the only reason Lex Luthor's the best um, Superman villain is because he's like, he's the only one that can really, he's got... He, he's not trying to punch Yeah, he's not trying, trying to compete with him like nuclear man, yeah. you know, in uh, <laughs> the quest for peace. <laughs> remember that? Have you seen Superman 4, the quest for peace? Nuclear man. Don't you remember Nuclear Man? No. I remember Nuclear Man. Freaking hell, that film was terrible. That was terrible. Was yeah. that like a post-Cold War? Yeah. It really was. It was. It was um, well, not a scaremongering no. thing. It was, it was about... Reagan era. Yeah, of. it's like, we you know, if we all work together, Russia, America, if we all work together, we can get rid of nuclear weapons and we don't yeah. have to spend every minute of our lives shitting ourselves about the impending nuclear holocaust. Wasn't Nuclear Man... He was Russian, wasn't he? Was he Russian? No, but he had a very kind of... Generic Baltic sort of, sort of yeah. Eastern European Ubermensch look kind of They couldn't have made him American Nuclear no, man He didn't actually talk in the whole film I don't think but right. he had a kind of very sort of like you know, almost like he's, he's very blonde sort of tan yeah. blue eyed <laughs> giant man and Yeah That was a terrible film Yeah I remember when it came out in the cinemas as well I saw it in the cinema actually. You did? Yeah as a kid, Lucky yeah. you Yeah um, Andy Monaghan asks Are there any games and this will be interesting for Weaver who has been around Forever. For a long time. Are there any games that you'd really want to re-review? By that, I mean, are there games that you disagree so strongly with the score that you gave it, you just want to type something about it? Or, um, you know, he says, like, what other people have reviewed and got wrong. Well, in my, in my case, it's like Assassin's Creed, and it's not saying anyone got it wrong. It's just I like, kind of disagree. So we sort of mentioned that there. But are there any games that you guys reviewed that you'd want to re-review? Yeah, well, one of my biggest regrets is giving Deus Ex Human Revolution a 88 
when it's actually one of my favourite games of all time. And yeah. I probably, I was just when being, you gave it that score, I said to you, yeah. you uh, we we had to talk about this, and I remember going, that's a bit low. I was being too cautious. I regret that because it's easily deserving of a nine plus, but that's not a massively dramatic, you know. It's only a matter of numbers, several numbers, five points. So, yeah. yeah. But I'd re-review that. It's not that you want to say anything more about it, you just want to change the number yeah. at the end. Yeah. How about you, Tim? Well, I haven't reviewed anything for a while, so I'm going to have to go, go back in the archives. Yoshi's Story. That game's a piece of shit. I liked Yoshi's Story. Yeah, like, you, right, and, you and Dale are always go about it. Right, I thought it was all right. I thought it was fun. All right, Tim. I think I gave it like low eights or maybe high sevens. No, it's low eight, so I remember that. It well. wasn't like a massive like ninety five or anything. Well, Not like Churok Two. <laughs> <laughs> the thing with Churok Two is that, you know, like there's I have a, a bit of a a bit of bants with uh with the editor of CMG about this because he said he went and bought Churok Two on my recommendation back in the back in the day. <laughs> but you know, when that first came in, it was it was pretty amazing. It used the expansion pack. Remember the expansion pack yeah. in the N sixty four? And it was, the, I think it was the, the the game that they made the expansion pack for, or at least it got pushed through Nintendo in order to facilitate Chorok 2, you know. It looked incredible. It looked incredible. And the guns were amazing. Yeah, the guns were you awesome. Know. In retrospect, it was maybe not quite as good as I thought it was at Close the time. To, not so much a 95, more <clears throat> a 55? No, I don't think it was a 55. <laughs> I mean, I haven't played it for a long time. But... You know, you review all these games in at the time, don't you? Where it's you know you you comparing review them. scores are subject to inflation. Yeah, you you comparing it or deflation. You're uh, yeah. you, you know you're you're comparing you're comparing them to what's out there at the time. Well, the you're quality in, of you know, games the cultural inflate, impact so. of them, and you know like when they land. You know you got to remember that when Shurok Two landed, it was incredible. It was yeah. it was incredible. You know, like it was one of the first games that had like that had that sort of Call of Duty sort of blockbuster vibe to it. You know, it had that real, like, when it landed, people were genuinely sort of, ex- you know, like, excited about it in a way that... And in 64, you were kind of starved of games as well. Yeah, and, and you know, so at the time, it was difficult not to kind of get caught up a little bit in that excitement for it, because it was, you know, now we've got, like, yes, yeah, Black Ops 2, oh, right, and in two days' time, we've got Halo 4, right, okay. You know, you've got blockbuster games coming all the time. Yeah. But back then, especially on the N64, you were lucky if you got... A, a half decent game once every couple of months. Yeah, by know? virtue of the platform it was on, it was better even than it was. It's kind of like right now on a Vita. There's nothing. Yeah. So by virtue of that, like the Assassin's Creed Liberation, Liberation looks brilliant. pretty damn good. Yeah, it looks brilliant. Yeah. You know, if you if you release that game on a 360 alongside Assassin's Creed Three, it wouldn't look quite nearly so good. But so no, I don't think Short Two was worth 95 that I scored it. But at the time, you know, I believed that you know in com- you know comparison to what else we'd reviewed and. What else was out there? I thought What's it was the first review you wrote in the games business. Um, I think it was r- the SNES conversion of Revolution X. <laughs> Remember that? Aerosmith. Yeah. Oh no, Pinball yeah. Table. God, you've been was it, right, was even been no, no, it was the yeah, shooting yeah, game. Yeah, Aerosmith's yeah. Revolution <clears throat> X. Yeah. Where well, it was never been kidnapped. SNES days. Yeah. Was that for Superplay? Well, it was the it was the tail end of the SNES. Like, was that li- for Superplay? Yeah. Literally. God, you actually were published in Superplay. Literally the fag end of uh, the SNES days. I was only about three months, three or four months, then I was on to N64. So. Just about fourteen. Yeah. My first review was Fallout Brotherhood of Steel. 
Oof. Which was the top-down... Uh, yes. Oh, that was Dumpo, wasn't that's it? A, yeah. That's a tactics game, right? No, no, no. It was like a top-down uh, roguelike. Oh, yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Oof. And what, then, did you, what, did you, what score did you give it? I think I gave it 50-something. Yeah. I remember after Revolution yeah. X... It wasn't was a great start. My, no. my editor at the time said, uh, enjoy that. Mm. I was like, not really. It wasn't that good. No. I think I gave it like 40% or something. She said, she, he said, uh, try this on for size. And it was... This terrible Spider-Man game called Separation Anxiety. Remember that one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, where it was like a Spidey Venom. Yeah, sort oh, yeah, of. yeah. It wasn't oh. even Venom, it was Carnage. <clears throat> oh, Carnage, that's yeah. right, it was Carnage, yeah. Just the shit Venom. Yeah, and I Venom's already shit. Yeah. What about you? What was your first Mine one? Mine was NBA Street Home Court for um, Xbox World. Oh, we all started off in some some belters it's always they? the game that nobody else wanted to play but yeah. guess what I came out on top because that was a good game <laughs> that was a good ass game I'd like an NBA Street game right now um, Tom Chandran says and this is just going to tie in something we've been talking about in the office a couple of times this week um, and really he said he asked for the best and worst names in games but I'm going to cut out the best part and just go the worst name in games because we've been talking about this this week it's Jet Brody isn't it oh, oh character names yeah, yeah. 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 No, never played an entry in the Fear series but Paxton Fettel was one of the most yeah. badass names in video Fettel, gaming yeah. by contrast <laughs> Jack Carver of the first Car Crash sat up with a name that yeah. comes a close Jet second Brody. to player one in the Gennaro stakes <laughs> Jet but, Brody is the but Jet Brody the is the worst name ever and, in, and almost entirely because of the story behind it because apparently George Lucas was literally just touring his studio. Yeah. Walking around LucasArts. Oh, was that a real story? That's a true story. Allegedly that's a, true yes, story. Yes, it was. It's what the designer said at the time. All right. The one contribution that George Lucas made to the game <laughs> was the name Jet Brody. <laughs> he was walking around the studio and he was looking at the screen and he was like, so uh, what are you working on there? And the guy was like, um, it's a game called Fracture. It's our um, LucasArts new game. He's like, oh, interesting. Who's that, who's that guy you're drawing there? He's like, um... He hasn't got, actually got a name yet, he's, uh, but he's going to be our hero. We, you know, we're just calling him uh, you know, Jack Carver at the moment. Yeah. He's, he's going to be... Uh, he's going to be a name. Yeah, so oh, yeah, he yeah. just like, scratch, scratches his chin. He's like, hmm. Looks like a Jet Brody to me. <laughs> it's, uh, unmistakably a Jet Brody. Can you imagine that designer's face? Uh, I, don't, I don't think it is actually a Jet Brody. No, no, I'm pretty sure it is actually. Um, okay, Mr. Lucas, yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? Yeah. He's a guy who pays your wages. He's the guy who invented, who Star, invented Wars. Star Wars. With such great names as Judd Porkins and, <laughs> and Jets, Dexter Jetster. And Dexter Jetster. As I, I told Tim the other day and didn't believe, bollocks. <laughs> yeah. yeah, to be fair, that was an extended universe thing. But, uh, yeah. yeah. There's an actual B- BLX5 and he's... Uh, or, or to give it, was it some... Was it saying that wiki some... His master, yeah, B, it was BL5X, known as Bollocks by his masters. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, or Rollocks, or Dollocks, or something, yeah. wasn't it, boy? Other bad names, Cole McGrath. Terrible name. Cole McGrath. That's the guy from Infamous on the PlayStation. Cole McGrath. <laughs> I've gone out of blank now. But... Paxton Fettel, that's an absolute <laughs> amazing name. Paxton Fettel is really bad. Well, I mean, the worst name ever has to go to the Army of Two. You play as one of two characters, literally named... A and B. Yeah. So you, Alpha you, you, and Bravo. Alpha and Bravo, which is yeah. just like military speak for A and B. Because yeah. they've, they've taken, yeah, they've just tried to take strip away all the the bro dialogue. Yeah. And they just went here, have two men have with the, no the names. the two most yeah. generic men in video game history, in the brownest most generic game in video game history. They should have called them Jinrod and Dongmax. Jinrod Dongmax. <laughs> no, just Jinrod and Dongmax. 
<laughs> Still shout out to our end gamer readers there. Yeah. Uh, I remember back in the day when we used to play Counter Strike. If we got bored of playing, uh, we got bored of playing Counter Strike for a while. We would, uh, we would both change. We would, me and my buddy would change our names to uh, Jack Pot and Tom Bowler, <laughs> and then just start team killing. <laughs> just, just start team killing like crazy you, until we, until we got kicked. <laughs> Good times. Yeah, good times. What, what you found there, Tim? I was just looking at worst get worst character game names, but to be honest, they haven't picked any any good ones out apart from a game I've literally never played. But Crescent Galaxy on the Atari Jaguar. Are you uh-huh. familiar with that? Well, of course not. No, the main character is <laughs> called Trevor McFur. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there was actually a there was um there was a bad guy in a there was a Japanese uh, Musu game. You know those big Dynasty Warriors beat 'em ups. And the main bad guy was called something like Peter or something. So it was like, feel the wrath of Peter. <laughs> well, the, um, the, there's a character in the new um, Resident Evil called Piers Nivens, right? But his original name in the Japanese manga, because yeah. he, he, was, he was actually a character from a manga. Uh, manga. He's a character from this uh, manga. That, um, <laughs> and his name in that, translated into English, yeah. was Beards Nevens. <laughs> really? Yeah. They should have kept that. But so that was, that was obviously wasn't the original intention, but that yeah. was the literal translation of it. Beards never. No, I think I think Jet Brody is the Jet Brody is, is the is the, the the and and from the great George Lucas as well. So he he certainly knows how to name a character, yeah. doesn't he? He's up there with yeah, Dexter Jets. Well, he's in, got uh, four billion in the bank, bollocks. so he could he could buy and sell us many. Yeah. Isn't he giving it, he's giving it to uh, charity, isn't he? Apparently, so he's going to invest all of it in education. That's Which, to be honest, is a pretty bastard. badass thing yeah, to do. Yeah, that is, yeah. Twat. <laughs> oh, oh, it's like you, you sit there watching his movie, it's like, God damn, this movie sucks, but at least he gave it all the money to charity. <laughs> Kwai Jing Dong walks. <laughs> yeah, that's how you make a stop. We should do a Star Wars name generator. Jin Rod Dong Max was, yeah. uh, was Endgamer's uh, yeah, was, Star yeah. Wars character. He's like, such great characters as Dexter Jetster. C-3PO mm. and Jinrod Dongmax. And, and, and Endgamer magazine used to ask Star Wars game developers, will, uh, will Jinrod Dongmax be in it? And they used to lie and say, yeah, yeah, he might be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Endgamer. <laughs> so um, one last question, uh, and it's from Rory Mullen, and it's basically it's like a game which, uh, with many rules, so bear, in mind, so bear with me for a second. Okay, so you can only play on Xbox 720 forever. There's only one console. You can play on Xbox, and it's your console. You don't get to play Nintendo games. You don't play Sony games. So just stop your lip, all right? Now, you run Microsoft, and you are going to trade one of your exclusives for an exclusive that belongs to Sony or Nintendo. You get to bring it to your platform. Now, it could be something you're going to do selfishly because it's a game you want to play, or it could be for the money. What game are you going to steal and what game are you going to give away for it? That's a great question, actually. Yeah. That is a good question. Yeah. <laughs> I guess... It's in silence. I guess, you, I guess from a commercial point of view, thinking with my commercial hat on, yeah. it would probably have to be something like Mario... Because it's it's money it's money to burn. However, I'm not going. I'm going to do. I'm going to add another rule to this. You don't get to just say Mario. It would have to, You can go with Mario Kart, Mario. All right, Kart, Mario, Mario Kart, Mario, Pla- Mario Kart, or Mario the Mario platform. Well, I think you could the, have. the commercial. If we go for commercial, we're all going to pick the same games. I think we should go for what we want to play. Mm. I've got to say because otherwise it's Mario. I obviously, I haven't played it uh, because it's not out yet. But the one game that on any PlayStation format, really, in recent years that I've looked at and thought, do you know what, I really fancy a piece of that, 
is The Last of Us. Mm. Mm. I, I think that looks great. Yeah, it does look great. I really think that looks good. And I haven't played an Uncharted. I don't even own a PS3. But I hear you guys talk about Uncharted, and it suggests that The Last of Us should be pretty good. I just think the the what I've seen of it, the, the, the characterization and the script in that is really seriously good. And if they get the game half as good as that, I think it'll be something really good. So yeah. I'd probably say that, having not played it or uh, know anything really about it. Those what? characters just from trailers, the guys in The Last of Us, just from the trailers, they passed the Plinket test. Mm. That whole test of where, you know, can you describe this character without describing his physical appearance? And like, or what he does. Or, or what he does, yeah. yeah. Like you can already look at those two characters and go, I get them. I know, mm. I know who they are. I know what their, their, their shtick is. The, the voice acting is really natural as well. Mm. It's not all like shouty and They've like been very good at that, uh, Naughty Dog. You know, it's like really well Wait. done. Well, uh, answering the, that guy's question, I'd give away Halo. Oh, right. sorry, I forgot and about I'd, the giveaway there. Well, you know, and I'd take, uh, I'd take I'll Twisted Metal. Take Twisted Metal? I'm joking. No. I'm joking. You take Twisted Metal? No, I'm joking. What do you take? Um, I'm taking... What am I... Uh, probably God, take... God of War. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, no. Well, I'd probably get rid of... Uh... <laughs> I don't want to be mean. I don't want to be mean to the Xbox exclusives and give them away. I know exactly which one I'd give Cut away. To the chop. There's no question what I'd chop. Easiest decision I've ever made. I'd give them Perfect Dark. And it's got to be an active brand. You're going to, get to give away something <laughs> it's like active. that. You're going to give away like Connect Sports. They released the HD version eight, four years ago. You're going to give away like Viva Pinata. Eh? You've got, got to be something that's active. All right, I'd give them Banjo-Kazooie. They no, can I have guess that. that and, I'd, sort of. and I'd take, uh, well, you know, with Nintendo it's like, I'd take Metroid. See, I was going to trade Fable for Metroid. Yeah. Fuck Fable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I'll trade, uh, yeah. I'll take Fable. I, I, I want. I like, I like Metroid Prime. I like Retro's stuff on Metroid Prime. I want it on a, set, a proper console. Sorry, Nintendo fans. Yeah, yeah. Although, tell you what, you know what is an exclusive uh, now is Bayonetta, and Nintendo have got that as an exclusive. Oh, uh, yeah. So yeah. I think what I would do is I would trade my soul for, for Bayonetta 2. <laughs> do you like Bayonetta, Andy? Nah, I don't really like it's those. Not really my bad I don't really game. like those fixed camera, super fast combo combat games. I, I just, I'm not a Twitch gamer. It's, it's definitely a, a sort of a. a a taste for a certain palette. Yeah, it's definitely. I acknowledge it's great, you know, but it's, it's not. It's not. Taste. It's not pie and chips. It's definitely like a refined, a refined thing. Yeah. I just. And want... not, I'm not saying that's a bad thing. You know, it's not. A... Yeah. I say that's to going back to something we were talking about earlier on, where we were talking about like how critics should naturally be more qualified to pass judgment on certain games. There's two types of game where critics very rarely are qualified to pass judgment. That's fighting games and beat 'em ups. That's why we always try and give those reviews either to give you them, give them to experts. or to experts. Yeah, yeah. Like I'll I'll take the Bayon, I'll take Bayonetta two when that comes into the office to be reviewed, for instance. And when it's like a fighting game, we have a fighting game guy who can, who's good enough, like you know, a sort of a guy who, who you could stick into a tournament and you can, yeah. so you can say, look, play this game and let me know how it stacks up because I'll be damned if I know. It's like I can dabble in Street Fighter a little bit, but yeah, I I would I would struggle to. To gauge, you know, what makes a good fighting game. You're gonna be pretty excited about playing Bayonetta on that gamepad, eh, Mike? <laughs> With a big window in it. <laughs> yeah. When I, I tell you what, it might be worth just mentioning Wii U just very quickly because it's going to be out before couple our next weeks, podcast. A couple of weeks, yeah. yeah. Before our next podcast, no, then 
end of November. Yeah, we yeah. should be our next podcast will probably be around the end of November. So maybe we'll talk about Wii U then, because it's new hardware. We haven't seen anything in the office really, so it's difficult to. Have you guys? You guys don't have. You I haven't one. even. I, I haven't even. Wait it. until you find how big that controller yeah. is. Well, yeah, it does be, look big. I'm going to be reviewing a game on it next week. So. Oh yeah, that's that, right. That controller yeah. is enormous. It makes the old... I'm not going to hear a word against the original Xbox controller anymore. The Duke is tiny compared to that controller. It's huge. It did look big. Has it got bigger? Or has it no, always been that size? I think size? it's always been humongous. Like maybe, they've just, maybe they've just photographed it well up until now then because it suddenly seems to have got really big. Yeah. I think so. Now, when I first... Heard, it's about, imagine it's about the size of a sheet of A4 paper. Now imagine you're holding that up as a controller. Yeah. And it's thick too. Is it heavy? No, it feels really light and plastic. Right, okay. It feels really flimsy. Right. Think about like the very first... I was going to say the first 3DS, but it actually feels more hollow than that. Right. Not 3DS, sorry, the first DS. Right. That lunchbox-looking thing. <coughs> it actually feels like a big child's lunchbox, actually. A big empty drum full of no hardware. Yeah. For £100. Oh, well, I can't wait to get my hands on uh, Batman Arkham City Armored Edition. <laughs> yeah, we're all, I think we're all looking forward to that, right? Yeah. What was the game you'd give away? Um... <sighs> Probably like Fable is a good shout. Yeah, I'm not. I've never and probably never will be a massive Halo fan. I don't mean. I don't mean fuck Fable. I mean Fable's okay. Fable's a pretty good series to be honest, but it's definitely the weak link. I mean, when you look at Forza, yeah. Halo, Forza's Fable, rock solid. That's the Microsoft's three big brands. And Halo, you wouldn't give away if you were even remotely uh, sane. But uh, it's not a game. It's not a game series that I've ever particularly fallen in love with. So it wouldn't hurt me particularly if that got got the old. Mm. Master Chief got the chop. Yeah, uh. I'm going to go back to one question we were talking about earlier, which was the um, if you could re-review one game, what would it be? Because I didn't answer it, and I would actually go and re-review for Xbox World Dark Souls. I would give it a ten. I'd give it the only a ten Xbox World's ever given. That would be. It would have had to be a hundred percent. Well, it's, it's ten point oh, isn't it? Yeah. We work on a decimal point system. It would have been a, yeah. a ten. Would have it would have even fit in the box. Actually, you know, in Xbox World's old design, hundred wouldn't even fit in the box. No. <laughs> you guys didn't factor that in. No, I didn't. Just to just reasonably assume that. Yeah. It would be <laughs> yeah. Just reasonably assume you'd never have to give out hundred. Although you know, Perfect Dark Zero came pretty close. Didn't it get eighty nine or something? D- didn't it get eighty nine? God, those were the days. <laughs> Alex Dale was saying if he reviewed um again same topic. If Alex, Alex Dale said if he reviewed. Perfect Dark Zero now, he would give it 9%. I'm <laughs> oh, sure that game's a 9%, but... Uh... Like, didn't I give Jumper 9%? Time's a cruel yeah, mistress. Yeah. Jumper is still the worst game on Xbox history. Oh, well. So that's that, readers. I hope you had a good time, as much fun as we did. And I hope you have fun playing Curiosity, What's Inside the Cube. Yeah. Don't draw too many obscene things on the side of it, because Andy, Mr. Order over here, We'll make his, yeah. his make it his job to Keep erase it tidy. Your, make it his job to erase your. Don't be like Mike. Keep it tidy. Everybody wants to be like Mike. <laughs> I'm going to go. So are these guys. We're going to go back to the office. We're going to make a magazine. Uh, hopefully, we'll be back in two weeks. No promises. It's um it's tricky at the moment for us, and we do apologise for that. As ever, we will be on our Facebook group, and we will be on Twitter at Xbox World Mag. You can grab Tim at Tim Weaver Books, Andy Kelly at Ultra Brilliant, and me at Michael Gapper on Twitter. Um, I have a new issue on stands pretty soon. It's coming very soon. There's an important announcement on the editor's intro page. You're definitely going to want to read that. And you're also definitely going to want to read our Halo review. You're going to want to read our Forza Horizon review. And you're going to want to see our cover feature, which is all about the next generation of Xbox. We have talked to very important people about what the next Xbox will do, what it's capable of. And as usual, we 
I can't stress this enough, we really do have the best contacts in the industry. We've uh, we kind of led the way on covering the next Xbox, and this is almost the, uh, the definitive word on what comes next for Xbox. So we'll see you soon, hopefully sooner rather than later. And from me, bye-bye. And from these guys, bye-bye. Bye.